Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Where to begin? Uh, what, a, what a weekend of football. Um, in some of those games, I'm just like, what happened? Um what happened the cowboys are (laughs) who we thought they were the nfc east is uh gone just obliterated it was such an interesting uh it was such an interesting to watch them crumble um i mean there was a couple games where like it kind of the weekend started off with like okay houston like pounding cleveland which was what was unexpected. If Houston beat Cleveland and it was close, I'd be like, yeah, you know, young team, it's close. Maybe it's a bit of a coin toss. But it starts off with an absolute beatdown. Um, and then the weekend just got crazier from there. I mean, the Cowboys completely fell apart. Completely. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a very wild weekend. Um, I'm surprised you didn't start the show with... Uh statement saying you were quitting after my championship (laughs) ring arrived well i mean i'm just choosing to move on just choosing to wipe away the negativity in your life uh you know i just uh sometimes you got to take the uh take the high ground yep um you know get move on there's another season uh i'm excited for more playoff football there's some fantastic matchups this weekend, uh, you know, we it goes down to eight teams, and uh, soon there will be there will be four. Yeah, if uh, well, if the wild card weekend was anything from what we can expect for the rest of the season or the rest of the playoffs, then it should be another good weekend of football. Um, some upsets, some some good games, and we're in there. Mm-hmm. And, that uh, uh, definitely the uh, Rams uh, Lions game did not disappoint. No nope. drama. Nope. Uh, I would say that was probably the best game of the wild card weekend. The Lions versus Rams. Yes, because I think yes, I would agree because I think the other teams just were seemed to be out of it too mm-hmm. early. Um, and even though the score in the Dallas Green Bay game looks like closer than the game was, like the Cowboys were gone, like they were out of it so early. Pittsburgh was completely outmatched against Buffalo. Um, like it was the at, at the half between Philly and Tampa. I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe. it's close enough. Maybe th- this could go either way, but but this is a close game. But then the second, you know, <laughs> then it was not. <laughs> then it was not a close game. Like the second half was just awful for the Eagles, and they fell apart. But yeah, I would agree. In terms of a complete game, it had the most drama. It was definitely the closest. Either team could have won that game, and I don't think you could say about that pretty much everywhere else. Like, I just think things just, by at least the half going into the third quarter, things fell apart quickly for teams. So, yeah, I, th- I definitely agree with you. I think the the Rams-Lions were, were the, the best game, and I can't believe it, but we're alive, and the Detroit Lions won a playoff game. It's, yep. it's absolutely wild. Yep, the uh, first time since what ninety two, something like ninety one or ninety two, like early nineties. Somewhere in there, 
Early nineties, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, that's such a wild streak that they right? finally were able to break. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's that, that pretty much sums up the Lions and the Rams. I mean, that was a a close game. It could have gone either way. The Lions mm-hmm. took the victory, so they're moving on. Uh, we can dissect a little bit about the Bills and the Steelers. I mean. That was basically just Josh Allen versus the Steelers and Josh Allen won, really. I mean, I think one of the things that the Bills always frustrate me is they're so inconsistent. Will they play a game like this? And it does come down, I think, to Josh Allen in his inconsistencies, where he'll play a game like this, and, and at the end of the day, like it was a fantastic game. Like He threw some great touchdowns. He ran one in. He outperformed the Steelers. And it wasn't even close. Yeah. So yeah. easily he can do that. And then the next week he can, he can throw two interceptions. Um, so I, I, it's so hard to predict. If the Bills play and Josh Allen plays against the Chiefs the way they did against the Steelers, they're going to be fine. I'm sure it'll be, it, it would be a close game, but they can definitely match up against them. But I just don't trust them. As a fan, because I'm sitting here going, I've seen this show before where he yeah. plays so well and then just drops off the face of the earth next week. Yeah, and that, that that's the problem. I mean, if all it takes is one bad game or even a couple of just bad decisions by Josh Allen and that's it, like the, the game's over because they don't have anything else really going for them. Like even on defense, like their defense isn't what it used to be. Um, the Steelers offense isn't that great, but now they're going up against the chiefs who we're going to talk about them next, but you can't give them the, I guess like the, the ground that you were giving up to the Steelers. No, no, you, you really can't. And that's what could, could make this game really interesting because both at times this year, both the bills and the chiefs have their defenses have played very well, but I think they're both such powerful offensive teams that I could see this being a bit of a shootout and both teams can score on each other and both teams are good. But if you give up that kind of space, if you give up that kind of time in the chiefs with Pacheco and the way they want to use him, they're, they're going to be able to destroy the bills. Like the bills have to tighten things up there. if They're going to have even a chance at winning. Um, and it's interesting to me that he, here we are talking about the, the, the division round and there's four games left, eight teams left. And a lot of the teams we're talking about are getting through because of fantastic offensive plays, even though usually the playoffs is very defense heavy. So I'm mm-hmm. just wondering, how will that translate? Like the 49ers, great defense. Ravens, great defense. How, how is that going to translate with two young offensive juggernauts coming into those games? Like that's what makes it really interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we saw that with the Texans and the Browns. Um, yeah. And so we'll see if we keep getting repetition of that. Um, but I want to talk about the chiefs first, because obviously they beat the dolphins, but they were still not firing on all cylinders no. offensively. No, like it, it was, it seemed like every other drive, they were just shooting themselves in the foot, whether it was with penalties or missed opportunities uh, in the red zone. And they had to settle for field goals. And if you, if, if Josh Allen is having one of his good games, you can't do that because you're not going to be able to keep up. Yeah, and no no disrespect to 
Mahomes and the Chiefs, but I I do think this is Josh Allen's game to win or lose. Yeah. And that's just the reality of, of the Bills. When Josh Allen plays like he did this past week, he's unstoppable. Um, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And it and that's just the way it is. So I think I think you're absolutely right. And that's why I think at the end of the day, it's Josh Allen's game to win or lose. Because if he comes out and just stinks and is terrible, the Chiefs will be able to wear the Bills defense down and score. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we saw the Texans absolutely blow out the Browns with their high-powered defense. The Texans, it started out as a close game in the event like that both teams scored 14 points, I think, or 16-14, something like that, like almost something right like away. That. Something like that, yeah. And then the Browns never scored again. <laughs> Yeah, and the the Browns, it's 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 a shame because I think you know the Browns' offense, though showing some sparks here and there, at a bit of a disadvantage overall. Um, they don't have their number one running back. They don't really have the quarterback they thought they they would have uh, going in into the playoffs. So I think they were at a disadvantage to begin with. But I am very surprised their defense wasn't able to make things closer. If, if the Texans were to win that game, I would have thought it would have been a, a, a much lower scoring game um, mm-hmm. and that maybe the Browns offense just couldn't get going and they stalled. So it's, it is very, it's very interesting to, to be sitting here and seeing that big score and that really kick off our wild card weekend and what a tone it set. <laughs> oh yeah. Was it? Was it two defensive touchdowns for the Brown or the Texans? One for sure. I don't know if they if there was a second one. Didn't yeah. they have two touchdowns in a really short amount of time too? Wasn't that the kind of? I remember yeah, they, well, they they had two quick ones. Just looking to see if. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I they know I know they had at least one. I just can't remember if they they scored uh, a second one. Because uh, Stroud threw three touchdowns. So that's pretty, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, he did. He did great. Uh, he would like did nothing he could do wrong there. No, uh, he he three touchdowns, no no interceptions. It's the perfect game you wanted your quarterback, and that's what continues to show people that he was the right choice for for when they were picking in the draft because he was he's he's had a great season, and the way he played in the playoffs. That's what you want out of your quarterback. Steady, consistent, doing exactly that. And he's been that way most of the year. Like, even in terms of fantasy, I know he wasn't, uh, you know, top finisher in terms. I think he was, what, he was like 11th or 12th in terms of uh, somewhere in that area. Somewhere in there, yeah. Bottom, yeah which like is not 10, 11, 12 area. Yeah. You're, you're like, you know, you can be happy with that. And I think he's he got better as the year went on, except for, you know, I had some injuries and some issues here and there. But I think him as a quarterback moving forward, you're very happy as a franchise, and you're probably looking at him being like, okay, that's another quarterback that now I can put on my list saying, you know what, I might be able to get him a little cheaper in the draft. And he's consistent, and he's turning the, it on at the right time, and he's only going to go up from here. Because oh, of absolutely, how he yeah. And I, I did confirm it was it was back to back pick sixes 
actually. Okay, that's what I, yeah, I knew there was two quick ones. I just couldn't remember if it was a pick six and then like they got the, they got another INT, but then scored on offense. Um, yeah, and that, that's, I think, that's a killer. Like that yeah. just takes it right out of you right there. Well, because I, I think the score is 24 14 before that, and then all of a sudden it's 38 14, and the yeah. game's over. The game's right? Done. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. And that's kind of what happened as well to the Cowboys is they just, for a moment, it looked like, okay, you know, they just scored before the half. They got a quick one. They're going to get the ball back to start the second half. Things are looking good. And then the Giants come out and score. (laughs) Right? Like, and it's just Packers, sorry. Packers, not the Giants. The Giants Giants continued to do nothing. (laughs) So I I think if they had, I think if they had come out and scored a touchdown on their first drive and then got a stop, they, they could have, I think, won that game. Because mm-hmm. then it would have been just 14. Uh, what would have been? Uh, 27-14. And then yeah, now you're only down 13 points. You know, they got another touchdown. Well, they got another couple of touchdowns later. So I, I think if they had been able to make their stand there, it would have completely flipped the game script and they could have scored and kept it close and ended up with a victory. But instead... Uh, I mean, the Packers just absolutely dominated them in the first half. It was just like embarrassing, um, yeah, especially, they had with, especially yeah. with the pick six touchdown. Um, and then, yeah, you come out, you get a field goal, and then they immediately score a touchdown again on you. So, like at that point, it was really like there wasn't even enough time because it that ate up. I think almost the majority of the. Uh, the third quarter was those first two drives. And then, yeah. And I think, I think that one of the things that really, really killed them is they just, they made too many of those stupid mistakes that you're bringing up at the wrong time. They just didn't get the momentum going. They need what, when they scored going into the half, they really needed to come out and put a dry long drive together, no mistakes and score a touchdown. Just to that would have stabilized things, get back to it. But they just, they the Cowboys just do this. There's something yep. about this team, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's where I say, like, I know Dak Prescott statistically fantastic quarterback this year, great for fantasy. I do. He's just not a championship caliber quarterback. He just can't do it, and these instances keep happening to him, which is you know may not necessarily affect fantasy moving forward. He might be a type of quarterback who can always get points like a Kirk Cousins, but just can't still just can't get the job done. Yeah, I mean, he might just end up being a great fantasy quarterback and not uh Well, I don't think it's fair to say he's not a good real-life quarterback either because I mean, he did get them to the playoffs and they had a good record, 12 and 6, but just not a good uh I don't know, like prime time but like when it counts quarterback, I don't know how to I think to me I think it, but you know what I'm saying. I think to me it's the difference between good and great. Yeah, that's or, fair. Or that's great fair. or even great and elite. He might be a good quarterback. He might even be a great quarterback, but he's not an elite quarterback. And to me that's what the difference is. Because I think that's I think fair. Kirk yeah. Cousins is a good comparable right now at least. Yeah. Kirk Cousins hasn't really won anything, but statistically, you can't fault People, you know, having him as your starting quarterback in fantasy or even during the regular season, look at the numbers he puts up, (laughs) right? Yeah. But when it comes to shove, he can't win in those big moments. So, you know, I think the comparables 
to me, Dak Prescott is closer to Kirk Cousins than he is to any of the elite quarterbacks that we talk about all the time. Yeah, that's fair. The only other thing I want to talk about with the Packers game is they did lean on the run game. Aaron Jones, 118 yards, averaged over five and a half yards a carry. So that, I think, really helped them with uh, with getting that early lead. They established that run game. Um, I think like he, uh, what did he have, three touchdowns? Yeah, three touchdowns in the game. So, oh, four touchdowns, sorry. Um, so that really helps because you're eating up the clock, keeping Dak off the field, and you're getting six points every time. Yeah. So that that's huge. And that was, I, I think I'd said that last episode was that was the only way I saw them winning was if they were able to do that because they their offense typically went through the air, not through the run game. So I didn't know if they'd be able to pull it off or not. And they did. And they won. So, yeah. And I think that they, you know, Jones, did, they did exactly what they needed to with him. Um, and for Jordan Love, he played relatively mistake-free football. He got the ball down the field. He did everything he was supposed to do. They leaned on that running game. It worked for them. Um, yeah, I think the Packers definitely deserve to win as much as we're sitting here bashing the Cowboys. The Cowboys threw that game away. But still, um, I think you got to give credit where credit's due. The Packers still played a good game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They they played exactly how they needed to to win that game, offensively and defensively. Yeah. Um, all right, let's chat quickly about the Eagles and the Buccaneers because, like you said, I mean, going into halftime, it was, what, 16-9? Buccaneers 16-9. had only been able to score yeah. Yeah. one touchdown, kick a couple field goals. Eagles, one field goal, one touchdown. Um, they failed the two-point conversion with the one-yard tush-push. That was a, I think that was a sign, you know, like, okay, this, if they're going to win this, they're going to really need to buckle down because that's usually been a guaranteed play for them. And it wasn't. Yeah. I I think that they, they were so close as far as I was concerned to just being able to squeak out a victory. Um, But they just, they just fell apart. They just were not, they were not able to get the job done, just exactly like you're saying, like the way you make that sound, oh, well, it's it's actually quite close at the half. They've each, you know, each scored a touchdown, a couple field goals, like it's a close game. They've each moved the ball down the field. They've each done it. And now we go into <laughs> a second half where the Eagles put up a goose egg and yeah. get nothing, <laughs> which is just like, you can't like what... You're supposed to be this high-powered offense. They've been so good all year. They fell apart near the end of the year, and they've just kept this downward spiral going. Well, they haven't looked good for weeks. No, no, they, they haven't. It's since they went on that losing streak, so that was, what, six out of their last seven games? Yeah. They, yeah, I think so. They, yeah. They've just looked rough. Um, I like obviously we recorded before the news came out that uh, AJ Brown wasn't going to be in the game. Yeah, but as soon as soon as that news came out, I I figured they weren't winning this game. They're they're off. He's too big of a key of a part of their offense, and with Jalen Hurts playing with a hurt finger, I figured it would probably impact his ability to be able to pass. Maybe it didn't have that much of an impact. I don't know, but I it's going to have some sort of impact. And when you add that in with AJ Brown being gone, like that just they're not the high-powered offense anymore. Now they're just a good offense with a terrible defense. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, even though, even though they have a still have a good offense, they weren't able to do enough against Tampa. Which to me, even though like I, I don't want to take anything away from Tampa, but you should be able to score at least more than that. Like again, to just oh, score nine points, one touchdown. Like, come on, you you've got to be able to move more than that. If one player makes that big of a difference to you, that's a massive issue. So I think, yeah, I, I just think they just didn't have it. They fell apart. Um, I don't know what Tampa is. Like, that's one of the things that to me is really hard mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to quantify. Like, I think we know exactly what we talked about, it, exactly what the Packers did and what they are and what they're able and capable of doing. But I, I have no sense on who this Buccaneers team is and how far they can go. Yeah, that's fair. They've they've been kind of like that all season. Like, mm-hmm. are they even going to make the playoffs? Okay, they made the playoffs. No, they're playing <laughs> the Eagles. Here we go. Okay, they won. <laughs> What's you never know? Yeah, you know. Well, that's that's the thing. Like again, like we talked about Baker Mayfield. We we gave him all the props, right? I mean, at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield had a great year. Um, yeah, surprised us. Uh, good on him. Like he he really kind of turned things around. But still. He, you're kind of looking at this team playing the Eagles like, yeah, they got the home because of the division, but there's no way they're going to win this game. Like they just, but they did. They, they were able to put it together. And I mean, they're going to be obviously massive underdogs <laughs> heading into yeah. next week, but, but still, can you really count any of those teams that surprised us out completely? And I, to me, this is the team that I look at going, Oh, I don't, well, I don't know because mm-hmm. yeah, they're not. They're facing the Lions. They're not facing like the 49ers or the Ravens, which the other surprise teams are. But still, the Lions. They're not. They played a great game, a fantastic game. So to me, the Bucks. They're they're in. They're gonna be in tough against this team. I don't know what where it's gonna go, but I just don't know enough about Tampa Bay to be confident in them. Whereas I think we've seen some stuff out of Houston Green Bay being like, well, if they win, they'll do these things again well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about with the Eagles is we kind of saw like a tale of two defenses from them throughout the game. Because in the first quarter, they got torched on uh, on a big play for a touchdown. Okay, We're, we've been used to seeing that. Ever since their defense started getting banged up, we saw, okay, passing game is the way to go. But then throughout the entire second quarter, they stopped the Buccaneers. They made them kick field goals, nothing else. So, like, that that game could have been 21-28 to 3, really, before the Eagles' final drive of the, the half. Uh, but their defense did the part. But then you get into the... You get into the third and fourth quarter, and I don't know if you saw the highlights of some of their tackling. It was absolutely atrocious. Like the Trey Palmer touchdown run, 56 yards. He had two different guys who had him dead to rights, should have tackled him in the open field, and it was like the weirdest type of tackling I'd ever seen. Like they were like flying off of him. Mm-hmm. And he it's not like he's a huge guy like running no. full tilt and they're bouncing off of him. It was like literally like they no. were jumping at him to tackle him and then like flying away. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and there is so Ray Lewis described it pretty well, actually. Uh, 
they're playing like individual players on the field. They're not playing as a team and trying to like contain them person. Right. And then if one misses, well, there's another guy there to stop him. No, it's just, we're all going to go flying at this guy individually and hope one of us nails him. And none of them did. And he ran down the field and what should have been maybe a six, eight yard reception became a 56 yard touchdown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what to make of this defense, you know, like they just couldn't, they couldn't do anything against a team that you know can score points. It's not like the Bucks can't do anything. But you're just like, again, there's just such a, with with Baker Mayfield there, there and, and really that whole team, ever since Tom Brady came there, that team has been such a strange patchwork of players, just kind of random assortment of players with, with kind of like a weird identity to them. And now with him gone, I just didn't expect that, even if you play poor defensively. I just didn't expect the Bucks to be able to capitalize the way they did. And that's something that I just, I don't know. It, it's so hard to read because we've seen so many games this year where, oh, a powerful team struggles and the game ends 9-7. <laughs> Which mm-hmm, mm-hmm. could, like, is not what happened. I mean, Bucks got 32 points. Yep. <laughs> right? Like, that's that's pretty good. Yep, and and I think a lot of it just comes down to how the defense played in the second half, and then the offense yeah. was the offense just wasn't able to do anything all game really. Yeah. Um, but we'll pivot from there into the news because uh, Jason Kelsey retired after that game after 13 seasons in the NFL. So the Eagles center Jason Kelsey, brother of yeah. Travis Kelsey, in case Tra- you're not yeah. aware, <laughs> one of the best uh, offensive linemen I think uh, in definitely of this past decade. Uh, yep. Great center um, was really kind of a big part of what made a lot of that offense work. Um, I'm not yep. too concerned about the Kelsey brothers. I think that he'll uh, he's got his podcast, got a lot of stuff going on. I'm sure they'll be fine. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. The Eagles offensive line, on the other hand, we'll see. Yeah, th- it's going to be interesting to me because I feel I feel like when the Cowboys lost, my first instinct was I'm like I'm wondering if there will be big changes just because this has been the story of this franchise for so long. I think there might be some frustration and feelings of urgency there. I'm wondering what the reaction will be like with Philadelphia after this mm-hmm. loss. Like, what kinds of changes could we expect here? Yeah, I've well, I've seen everything from fire the coach to fire the coordinators to fire everybody to trade hurts away, like just complete fire sale. Um, so I've I've seen all ends of the spectrum getting thrown out on social media and in the news. So I have no idea what they're gonna, what the next few weeks are, are gonna bring. Yeah. Um, the Patriots hired Gerard Mayo to be their new head coach. So former Patriots player, now head coach. That happened pretty fast. (laughs) That happened very fast. And like there were there, I don't remember seeing any inklings like, oh yeah, like word is it's going to be Gerard Mayo. It was just like nothing. And then Gerard Mayo's hired. But I don't, I don't know. That seems to be the trend lately. I mean, the Colts tried it last year with Jeff Saturday that blew up in their face. But mm-hmm. uh, it's worked for the Raiders with, mm-hmm. uh, I forget his first name. His last name is Pierce. Uh, Antonio Pierce, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, as the interim coach, like to the point, Max Crosby, their star defensive player, is saying, if you don't hire him, I'm leaving this team. 
Like you're trading yeah. me. Yeah. So yeah. maybe they're trying to capitalize on that. You know, like it's a new kind of generation of coaching maybe that we're seeing kind of come forward. You know, we want players who played for the team and are invested in the team uh, and are young. Like they played recently. Like they're still like, I don't know, like up to date, like in in the loop. Like I don't know what you want, way you want to describe it, but like they're involved in the culture still. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than coming out of college and whatever offensive schemes and type of offenses and defenses they wanted to run at the college level and then trying to make that work in the NFL, which sometimes works, but sometimes we get like the Urban Meyer experience and it's just awful for everyone. So um, we'll see. This will be the third team now um, with with a young head coach who is a former player for the team that he's now coaching. So we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, the former player thing, putting that aside for a minute that he played uh, with the organization, it, it, everything you're saying kind of makes sense to me where the Patriots are, where they just feel like we're going to go with someone younger who's been a player recently because we've been with the same coach who had a very particular way of doing things. And I know, like, I mean, this guy was coached by Bill Belichick, so maybe some of that comes in. But still, they're like, we're going to pivot and pivot in a way that is young, we can invest in someone for maybe the next little while too. Like I have, I have that feeling picking a young coach being like, we can grow with this coach, move forward and see how it goes. I think that also makes sense just for where the Patriots are as an organization. You want to kind of pivot younger being with the same guy for a while. I think, yeah, I think to me that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Now it just man, it remains to be seen if it works out or not. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Uh, the Washington Commanders have hired 49ers assistant general manager Adam Peters to be their new general manager. Uh, no word yet on a head coach hiring. Um, and the Saints have fired offensive coordinator Peter Carmichael after 15 seasons. So I guess they they said this year we've seen enough and uh, we'll see. We'll see what uh, which direction they want to go with because we've seen Carmichael's offense like from the Drew Brees era all the way on up. So I'm I'm kind of interested to see you know what do they what do they lean on what do they focus on? Do you maybe move away from Kamara? Do you try to focus more on like Chris Olave and build the receiving core? Like I don't, I don't I'm I'm very interested to see what the offense looks like with a new offensive coordinator once they've once they picked one. Yeah. And I feel like at least for them, they've got some choice there. Like they've got at least options, which makes them an appealing organization to work for. You know, you're, you're going, you'd be stepping into an organization. If you were hired as the offensive coordinator, you'd be stepping into an organization that has weapons and a future and things you can kind of do with that group. 15 years is such a long time to have the same voice, trying the same things. So I think, yeah, that totally makes sense to kind of move forward, see what happens. But if you're looking for a job, like if you're a prospective offensive lineman or coach or what have you, like you're, you'd be looking at this team being like, yeah, I, I could get on board for trying this. Like the, they've got some stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it when you got a new guy coming in, right? You got a bit of leeway Yeah. Um, versus the guy who's, been there for 15 years and the offense has struggled heavily for ever since Drew Brees left really. So 
that wasn't going to happen. No, and that's that's the. I think it's it's time to turn the corner and to do something. But like you bring up, like even if they keep those offensive weapons, maybe they need to find a different quarterback. Maybe they need to work that in. A new voice might help with figuring out what what can we do with Kamara. What can we do with Taysom Hill to maybe utilize that very talented player? Chris Olave is here. We've got some pieces we can build around. So I think, you know, bring in someone, bring in a new voice and see what you can do with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last piece of news, Rams tight end Tyler Higbee is believed to have torn his ACL in the wild card game. So that is going to have a, that's still going to be an issue come next season. Um, I know he wasn't really the most sought after player in terms of fantasy, but just something to keep in mind if you are looking at him or at the Rams tight end position, that is certainly going to impact him next year. Yeah. And that is it for our news. So I just want to quickly remind everyone, we do have a Patreon available. Uh, you can go to conqueredraft.com, go to our Patreon page, or you can go to patreon.com slash conqueredraft. We have a couple of different tier options there with different options available, but the main, the main score is that you get additional start-sit options and you get Thursday night start-sit options all available through our Discord, as well as other perks like uh, waiver wire targets, trade targets, draft uh, analyzers, and your priority for any fan questions that you have. So if you enjoy uh, what we talk about, then that's a great way to support us and get a little extra for yourself. And if you have any fan questions for us, maybe you don't want to be involved in Patreon, you don't have the money to spare, that's perfectly fine. We still like to hear from you. You can reach us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, X, or you can go to conqueredraft.com and fill out the form on our podcast page. Let's dive into our playoff scoring. So I have a, a pretty commanding 5-1 to one lead. It's a rough weekend for me. <laughs> that It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was bad for you, I'll be honest. Um, let's see if we can't turn that around. We've got four four divisional round games. Um, so, Mike, do you want to do it where, since you went first last time, I go first now? or? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think we'll just go fair. back and forth. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to take with my first pick. I'm going to take the 49ers over the Packers. Pretty solid choice. That's that's where yeah. I was gonna go. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I th- maybe maybe the Packers are running a Cinderella story here, and and the obvious pick isn't obvious anymore. But I I feel pretty confident about that with the 49ers defense and just Christian McCaffrey, uh, Brock Purdy, Ayuk Samuel. Th- there's just so much going on over there. I just I think maybe the Packers can make a game of it, but I think the 49ers are taking the win. Yeah, I, I think it will be at least a game. I'm expecting it to be at least somewhat close. I, I actually think all four of these games have the potential to be close. But at the end of the day, I think the 49ers is just too good. Um, yeah. The Packers, even if the Packers are able to score and take advantage of some opportunities like they did against the Cowboys, the, for the 49ers are the type of team that's proven before. They can come back and they can make it work. So... Yep, and we have seen occasionally the 49ers offense disintegrate and not be able to put points yeah. up on the board. So yeah. anything is possible. Yeah, no, I uh, I can't fault that pick. Good first pick. Uh, with my first pick, I will choose the Baltimore Ravens to win in their game against Houston. 
listen, I, I think the Ravens should be a, a very good playoff team. Their their defense really tightened up. I think they have an excellent running game that can hit you at different levels, so you don't quite know what they're doing. Um, so long as Lamar Jackson plays relatively mistake-free football, I think they should have this win uh, against Houston. That Houston offense did such a great job. They capitalized, though, on some opportunities against Cleveland. Baltimore's a much better team. So right now, I, I think I'm going to go with the Ravens um, for my first pick. Yeah, I think the storylines between the 49ers, Packers, and Texans, Ravens are pretty pretty identical. Mm. And just the 49ers and Ravens are the two overall better teams. And so I would expect they, they outlast them. But I wouldn't be blown away if the Packers and or the Texans won also. So mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think I would be so I would be probably surprised if the Packers beat um, the 49ers. But if Houston beats Baltimore, I'm like slightly less surprised, like maybe a little bit, but slightly yeah. less. You know what I mean? Like it leans yeah. more towards like if the Packers win, I'm like, wow, the Packers, like what's going on with them? If Houston wins against Baltimore, I'll just be kind of like, well, you know, I did pick Baltimore. So that just yeah. sort of tracks. That tracks. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, for my third pick, I'm going to take the Lions over the Buccaneers. I think this could be a close game as well, uh, but I just like what I've seen from the Lions offense. Like they are just, they are just good in the passing game. Uh, Laporta is healthy. He was involved. He scored a touchdown. Um, and the Buccaneers just, their offense is just kind of, they got lucky on a lot of those big plays that they scored touchdowns on. And I don't think the Lions are going to make the same mistakes. I think this could be a repeat of last week with the Rams. Like, I think this would be a close, good game that could go either way, but I think the Lions are going to take it. Yeah. Ah, it's just so hard. That game is just so hard mm-hmm. to, to predict what what's going to happen. I think the, the issue with the last game that I have to pick is both teams have such potential. Yeah, that's why I wasn't touching it. <laughs> yeah, well, winning pedigree on one side and a really good offense on the other. Whereas Tampa, Detroit, it's like, well, I feel like they're both on borrowed time. One yeah, of these two fair. teams is going to make it to play pro- probably San Francisco, but in theory. And it's like you're you're kind of playing with house money here. Like you're you're overachieving. What, what a lot of people thought you would be able to do. So, yeah, it's hard to predict where that's going to go. I think, yeah, that'll be an interesting game. Uh, the last game, Chiefs and Bills. Um, yeah, this one's tough. Um, do I trust that that Josh Allen will will continue his, his progression and, and have another fantastic week? Or do I think the Chiefs, with their experience... Just say enough's enough. We can take care of business here. Um, oh, it's really it's really tight for me. This is really close. So I think I'll go with. I usually go with my gut, and that is is why I fail in life. So I'm gonna go <laughs> with the Buffalo Bills. I'm gonna say that they will continue their fast paced play. They're at home. They're gonna have all the momentum. If Allen can really perform the way he did last week, there won't be a problem because the Chiefs are still underperforming. They drop the football more than any team that I've seen. They just can't catch a football. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's just dreadful. So I'm I'm gonna take the Buffalo Bills. I think it's gonna be a close game, but I I'm gonna go with the Bills to to pull off what I would say is an upset over over the Chiefs and end up. I think it'll be Buffalo versus Baltimore uh, in in the the one final. That's fair. All right. Well, that's our division round picks. Let's see how we turn out. Mike needs a big weekend, so we'll see if he can get uh, catch up in the points there. If I, I mean, if I go, uh, if I, if I go my picks right and you lose both your picks, I mean, I'm right back in it. Yeah, then, <laughs> so, then, then we're right back in it. Yeah, absolutely. Then it's, uh, then it's a real close one, but we'll see. I mean, it'll probably go the same thing where I just, I got, I get everything wrong. That's what yep. happened last night. I didn't, I didn't get one thing right. I only got a point because you got something wrong. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. All right. Well. Let's dive into our running back review for 2023. So real quick, we'll go over our preseason or pre-draft rankings, and then we'll dive into the actual 2023 finish. Uh, So I had Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, Bijan Robinson, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Tony Pollard, and Aaron Jones as my top 10. Mike also had Christian McCaffrey at number one, followed by Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, Bijan Robinson, Josh Jacobs, and Joe Mixon. Uh, well, Mike, we both uh, we both nailed the number one, Christian well, that, McCaffrey. That's at least something. <laughs> yep, nailed that. Um, wasn't even close. Christian McCaffrey was in first by over a hundred points in half PPR. That's a pretty big drop off from yeah. one to two. Um, yeah. In looking at, I won't spoil it, but in looking at the rest of the the list here, I had at one point in time, at the different points in times in the year, three of these top ten running backs, and it didn't didn't ever feel like it. It really didn't. It felt like inconsistency all yeah. over the place from some of these some of these players. So it's very interesting that Christian McCaffrey was that far ahead. And you're probably feeling pretty happy about him, not only him finishing first, but his stats were fantastic this year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just shy of 1,500 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns, heavily involved in the passing game, over 500 receiving yards. Like, you were happy you started Christian McCaffrey every single week. Yeah, uh, and he, he um, I mean, certainly in our our home league, he carried the one fantasy team all the way to the Super Bowl. Yep. Yep. Uh, I was terrified of Chris McCaffrey, and thankfully the the one drive that he got hurt, someone else scored a touchdown for him because uh, that would have been a huge blow against me. Yep. Um, but yeah, like a hundred point difference between first and second. That is. That is elite. That is why you can always trust Christian McCaffrey, probably until he retires, really. I mean, his body's just able to handle that workload. And, I mean, we've seen before when he gets hurt, he gets hurt, and it's bad, Mm -hmm. and it's season long. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you you can't plan for that, right? So he's worth that risk. No. No. And I think think at the end of the day, he's, he's on such a good team that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. so balanced that you can take that risk and be that added level of comfort saying that, you know, he, he'll, he'll get red zone time. He'll get them in the red zone. He'll do very different things and they can do enough balanced things. The 49ers can that 
people aren't just saying like, well, all we all we're going to do is cover Christian McCaffrey. That's that's all we have to do. Well, no, you'll get burned. So they, they have to they have to play multiple positions. So I think you can have that confidence saying he, he's number one running back. He's still a number one pick in in a lot of drafts, and I think it's well earned when the guy has t- what total twenty one offensive touchdowns. Yeah, so like that's really good <laughs> for a oh, non quarterback. Yeah. Like that's that's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, at number two, two hundred fifty five points. So again, hundred points later, uh, we had Raheem Mostert. Um, and this is kind of the tail of the tape for Mostert because honestly, if he didn't have the 18 touchdown rushing touchdowns that he did, you weren't happy with Mostert. Well, no, he was barely a thousand yard receiver. Only 25 receptions, not really involved in the passing game. Like you cut those touchdowns in half and he's maybe in the, maybe in the top 20, maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, uh, he, I mean, he got some help from some injuries to the other, the other guys he was involved in, but the Dolphins running game was very efficient this year. Not elite because their rushing numbers weren't great, but they were efficient in the red zone and they were always the ones plunging it in. So if, if you get someone on that team, like you might as well throw them in because you know they're going to get six points for you at minimum. But mm-hmm. if they if they don't, it hurt you. Yeah, it, I mean, definitely. Like if it, if it doesn't, it obviously hurts you. But yeah, he he for several weeks he was playing so well that like what what can you do? You you got to mm-hmm. throw him in there. But that that was always the risk with him. Is he? Yeah, he'll get a bunch of points. Great, but it's those touchdowns that keep doing it. So if the team fails offensively, which they had some struggles and they had some ups and downs near the end of the year, that's where I think his numbers really started to hurt because there were games where he just did absolutely nothing. Yeah, and it was the same thing with number three, Travis Etienne, just a couple points behind Mostert, uh, barely over a thousand rushing yards, eleven touchdowns. He made up most of his points with the fifty-eight receptions. Yeah. Um, if he wasn't involved in the passing game, then like, you would have been pretty disappointed with him. And really, oh, he, for sure. he pumped his numbers because I think in the first eight weeks, he had four weeks where he had double touchdown games, and then he never scored a touchdown after that. Maybe he scored one towards the end of the season. Maybe. He had a I'm long stretch my memory of, there. of nothing. Yeah, he had a long, long stretch of nothing. Yeah, and in those games, he wasn't really helping you that much. Like He no. was doing okay because of the passing game, but he wasn't. Like you wouldn't have said he's a top three running back, nope. even though like statistically he was, but he wasn't performing like one. No, definitely not. Uh, same can be said for number four, Brees Hall. I mean, he came on through the playoffs and just like he probably he, he potentially won people their championships uh, with how he played throughout the playoffs. He either got you there or won you your championship. Um, but he had less than a thousand rushing yards, only five rushing touchdowns on the year. It was through the receiving game. He had 76 receptions for almost 600 yards. So if you're in any form of PPR for uh, scoring like that, that's great. That's what you want because you basically just have another receiver out there who's also getting handoffs. And with how bad the, the Jets. Uh, offense was doing i mean they had to go to the the passing game so at least he was involved in that like he was the only part of their offense that was really working really so yeah he was the only one with that kind of consistency 
to that that was kind of working for them for a while but yeah like that team that team all year was just so bad and inconsistent that i think hall is the type of player that he's got that talent if you put him in a situation where the team can get better even by a little bit he'll probably skyrocket in terms of his ability he'll he'll do a lot for you but man, they got to work a lot out of that organization because I don't know. He had it like turned it on late, but there again, there how many weeks were there where he completely disappeared? Yep. Yeah. There was a chance you didn't make the playoffs if you had him on your team. If you did, mm-hmm. he propelled you probably to the championship, but right. Right. Yeah. But there's a chance you didn't make it there. Um, mm-hmm. So, Number two, three, and four were not in our top ten. I don't think a lot of people, maybe Brees Hall, people betting on the comeback, but I don't think anyone would have had Raheem Mostert or Travis Etienne in their top ten going into the year. No, I, I, I think there could be like an argument for someone like Brees Hall, um, but I, I would guess that most people didn't have the others in the top ten. Maybe someone like Etienne around like fifteen or so, and like that kind of range. But I, do, I don't think people would have had him this high, no. No. And number five, we had Joe Mixon, 241 points. Uh, again, a lot of his points came through the receiving game. Uh, 52 receptions. He, had, he didn't get double-digit uh, double touchdowns. He barely cleared 1,000 rushing yards, but he was involved in the receiving game. Uh, you had him at number 10. Not, he was not inside my top 10, so you you were closer on that one than I was. And yeah, I think part of I, uh, that was the the Joe Burrow injury too. Yes, I I didn't obviously anticipate Joe Burrow being hurt. I thought Mixon to me was that kind of 10, 11, 12 running back, like just in that area. Um, so yeah, I think he kind of overperformed because he got that opportunity. He was he was the key part of that offense. Um, again, like nine touchdowns, three touchdowns in the air, like he was really their key piece. And there were times for a long period of time where he was the only thing working. So. Yeah. And even then it was painful to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he became all they really had and worked out for, for fantasy managers towards the end for the most part. Like he did. Okay. Like he didn't really hurt you, but if, if someone told you he was a top five quarterback or running back, doesn't feel like it. A lot of these no quarterback or running backs doesn't feel like it no not at all (laughs) except number six kyron williams when he was on the field he did feel that way yeah and i i think if he wasn't hurt he he would have been definitely in that in that top five maybe close to the top that i think he would have been number two i think he would oh like with this group yeah and with the way everyone went yeah probably yeah um what his future holds yeah i don't know but Boy, did he have a great year. Yeah, over 1,100 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns. Pretty actively involved in the receiving game. I mean, and it's just unfortunate. I can't remember how many games he missed off the top of my head. I think it was at least four. Maybe not, maybe more. Um, but I think if he hadn't have had that happen, he uh, he easily would have been number two. I don't think he would have caught Christian McCaffrey by any means, but he would have been well ahead of Raheem Mostert because they were only... 16 points apart as it is. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree. If Mostert's kind of your number two, I feel like that um, that definitely 
he would have been able to uh, to catch him. And he felt like a, a top three running back when you when you had him in your lineup. Like he was when you had him going, well. yeah, yeah. Like when you had him, um, he he was having fantastic weeks. Um, you know, it's unfortunate when injuries set set you back a bit there. But yeah, what do you definitely you wouldn't be surprised with his his ranking, like where he ended up finishing. No, definitely not. Coming in at number seven, we had Rashad White, four points behind uh, Kyron Williams. He's another one. Probably didn't feel like a top 10 running back. Didn't clear a thousand rushing yards. Didn't have, didn't even have six or didn't even have double digit total touchdowns, but he was heavily involved in the passing game. 64 receptions for over 500 yards. That's where he made his, the majority of his points. Yeah. He was, he, and, and maybe you feel differently because you did have him on your team. Um, but to me, he was like the, the consistent floor RB two for your team. You know, like you've got the all-star who has like really high spike weeks and whatever. And then white was the guy you put in as your RB two, who you knew was just going to plot along and get you 10, 12 points every week without fail. I don't know if that's how you feel. That's how that's just what it looked like for me on the outside looking at him. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yep. No. And, and I think, I think that's what's so interesting about this list <laughs> of players <laughs> where the, they, some of them feel like, yeah, this is where they are. And some of them feel like, really? Yeah. <laughs> that's where they finish. Like running backs this year, all over the place. Like this mm-hmm, is such mm-hmm. a mishmashy list. I definitely, yeah, I definitely feel the same way about him. At number eight, Derek Henry. I think he is the only other one that I got dead on. <laughs> um you had him at a eight, did you? I did. Yep. Uh, two hundred thirty-two points. So the difference between number two and number eight is twenty-three points. Right. And the difference again from first to second was a hundred and two points, which <laughs> is just wild. How well Chris McCaffrey did, mm-hmm. and also a statement about how bad Derrick Henry did, where he is down at number eight. Uh, cleared a thousand rushing yards, double digit rushing touchdowns, not really involved in the passing game. That's never been his strong suit, but he had two passing touchdowns. So he had that going for him. Uh, at number nine, again, kind of the same theme with Derrick Henry, just not able to capitalize in their offense. Bijan Robinson, not used by Arthur Smith the way that he should have been. Didn't clear a thousand rushing yards four rushing touchdowns. He was heavily involved in the passing game, um, but still not even to the extent that he really could have been 58 receptions for just shy of 500 receiving yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we've kind of beaten that horse to death. He was just not used properly. He could have easily been same thing with uh, Kyron Williams. Like he could have been up at number two, no problem if he was used properly. Yeah. That entire offense just looked like a mess some weeks. Um, and you wish that that things would have gone differently, um, that that he would have been used properly, would have been used better, because yeah, that would have made all the difference. Like he would have been right up there. Like if if Williams wasn't hurt and Bijan was being used, utilized properly, you're in a situation where those are probably your two three, 
and it's a bit less of a gap. Like no one's catching McCafferty. We both said it. That's just the way it was. But that gap would be lessened enough that I think you'd be like, oh yeah, there you go. There's your top three. That's what it felt mm-hmm. like. That's what it was. But we didn't get that because that that team just that coach just did not use that team properly. That was like no. we could see that. We could easily see that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully things change there um, because I think that's the scenario where that's going to make a lot of difference. Whoever that coach is for next year, you're looking at that being like, okay, this should be better for someone like Bichon. He should be sitting near the, the, the that top, you know, in the, within the top five for sure. But hopefully within that area that we know he can be, that talent is there. He should be able to, to definitely compete for, for a top two or three spot. Yeah, exactly. And rounding out our top 10, we had Jameer Gibbs, who uh, he had his breakout week and never stopped after that. Uh, unfortunately, not early enough in the season for him to climb higher, but he was someone who, you, again, you you felt confident starting every week. He felt like mm-hmm. a top 10 running back. Um, even though he barely broke into the top 10, that was just because of a late breakout in the season where he kind of took yeah, over from stuff. David Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. but then he picked up like slow start, but then he he got it rolling. Where I think the second half of the year, you there's, you can't really complain about the way he played. Like he was everything you needed him to be in that second half. Absolutely, absolutely. And that is it for our running back review for the 2023 season. Join us next week. We'll take on the wide receivers as well as recapping the divisional round of playoff football. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Take care. Stay safe.